This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. It's Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer. We are live for Law Talk. I want to remind you to like, follow, subscribe, comment, share, and love all our social media platforms. We're also available on all uh, podcast platforms. You can watch the shows, download them, etc. So please give us a like on that stuff. As always, we're on TikTok too. That's actually where we got our biggest following, although apparently the U.S. wants to. Uh, Stop that. <laughs> and then and don't forget NA the band, their album Inside My Head is available for free. You can download it on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to music. Uh, make sure you help those guys out. They're local. Uh, obviously, one of them I like. I like them both pretty well. Michelle Allen is our longtime sponsor of our show, and she is your go to in the area for Cry Like, uh, go to realtor in the area with Cry Like. Um, if you're buying, selling, renting, leasing real estate, she can help you anywhere in West Tennessee. High Octane Martial Arts, located in Covington since 1993. We're celebrating 30 years in business. We have a lot of sign-up specials right now. Just visit masonsmartialarts.com and we'll get you started on your way uh, to training in martial arts. The Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar is located off the square in Covington. It's open seven days a week at 4 p.m. Tonight, I'll be there to do trivia. Uh, it's a great bar, good drinks. We're redoing the patio right now. And then, of course, we'll be talking here in a moment about opening a cellar in Somerville. And if you need help with your online presence, branding, social media marketing, website development, Masonite Digital Marketing, we'll be glad to help you. Just visit masonitemarketing.com. So joining me today, how are you doing? Good. A fellow <laughs> Esquire is Mr. Terry Dykus. How are you, Terry? I'm great. That's good. So, you know, and I know uh, Terry was one of them that we didn't really discuss anything necessarily to talk about other than maybe the restaurant issue over there. But I do have a question. On, well, first of all, I guess let's do this. Why don't you tell everybody who you are? Don't surprise me with law talk questions. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's actually a good question. I think you'd be a good one to ask, actually. But anyway, tell, uh, tell everybody who you are, uh, what you do, what you love, all that kind of stuff. Um, Terry Dykus. I've been practicing law for over 30 years. I'm a hillbilly from the Upper Cumberland. Um, been a public defender, a district attorney. I've been a municipal judge. I've been in private practice, and now I work for Bo Burke, a public defender for the 25th Judicial District here in Covington. Um, and uh, that's where I got to know Jerry and others. Uh, what I'm into, I'm right now trying to get my garden going this spring. Um, I got a 13 year old son. My wife, I guess, kind of do a plug for sure, business. Sure, sure. So my wife is the. Uh, Proud owner of the oldest hardware store in Tennessee. It was established in 1841. There's only been four owners of this business. Her granddaddy bought out the partners after World War II when he came back, and it's been in her family exclusively since. Uh, she feels uh, uh, a lot of responsibility. She doesn't want it to mm -hmm. go down on her watch. And mm -hmm. I have a 13-year-old son who is now working in the store just like his mom did. So hmm. it's great. Cool. Right there on the square in Somerville. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's interesting. The privately owned hardware store. You know, Colston's over here. Yes, uh, had been here forever. It was a staple. I mean, it's been here as long as I've been here. Yeah. 
and they're going out of business now. I, I don't know that they're going out of business from lack of, of uh, business. I think part of it is that none of the children wanted to take it right. over, and so they kind of kind of just went. But that's interesting because now you've got big box competitors. I just wonder oh, yeah. how that is. Well, there's no way that she could have stayed in business just as hardware because uh-huh. you can't compete with Lowe's, yeah. Home Depot, or Ace down the road. The only way I think she's been able to survive is, number one, they have low overhead and they watch their costs. They don't owe a big note. They don't have – even though it's great location right on the square in Somerville, what she did when she came back from college um, – her dad and a couple of the guys that worked there thought they were going to get into the furniture business by selling these big Bubba chairs. You remember these great big, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, oh, no, we're not going to do this. So yeah. she started doing the furniture. That went well. Then she expanded into accessories. Then she expanded into a dress shop. Mm-hmm. So all of those buildings are there together. And and that's one of the reasons we to segue into this restaurant building thing is yeah. she's – you know, she's from Somerville. She's passionate about Somerville. She wants it to grow, and she thought they needed a restaurant on the square because it would bring more customers to her business as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we got started on on this building. Yeah, for those that don't know, I've mentioned it some on here, but so right now the Covington Cellar Restaurant is owned by me, uh, my partner James Harden, and my law partner Brian Huffman. The three of us are equal owners in the restaurant, and we each sort of have a different position. Uh, Brian manages, I mean, uh, James sort of manages the place. He's there pretty much daily, and then I handle events and marketing, branding, and then Brian occasionally shows up and drinks the beer. And, uh, <laughs> I was going to say that if you did. <laughs> That's kind of our arrangement. Anyway, so we uh, were lucky enough to get to know Terry and his wife better, and uh, they had this opportunity. It's the old Fayette Falcon building yes. in Somerville, and so we uh, have come together. They own the building, and we're going to be renting or leasing the building from them to put a Cellar built cellar restaurant in Somerville. So tell us, and you had some interesting backstories on yeah. that building too. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a partnership too because we had a lot of people approach us when they found out that we had bought this old building, mm-hmm. and uh, we just you know we, we wanted somebody that we knew we could work with, and it seems like we've got a partnership working together. No, I, I, through the development and some I, of the I things feel, we're doing. I feel doing. that way yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although I'm sure that you know you want to get paid whether we do <clears throat> once it's open or not. Yeah. So this building has got quite an interesting history. Um, as you know, the courthouse in, in Somerville burned, so a lot of the records going back mm-hmm. are, are sketchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to research, you know, farmers' hardware back, um, and we're lucky. Uh, you know, former uh, district attorney Betsy Rice is leading up the archives in Fayette County. She's trying to preserve what they have. So the records on this building that everybody knows is the Falcon Building, simply because the Fayette Falcon newspaper, which also happens to be uh, West Tennessee's oldest newspaper. Mm-hmm. I, uh, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, they've been there since the early 80s, I mm-hmm. think. Um, in the 1800s, we were able to The find, early 1880s, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, 1880. Okay. No, 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 I mean, I'm, uh, 1980s. The, 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 the Fayette Falcon, the newspaper. In West Tennessee, there. it's been there since the 80s. And that predates the leader? No, 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 no. no. I'm confused. They, they were renting the space in the Falcon Building uh-huh. since 1980. Oh, I they've got been you. A, they've, they've been in a, a newspaper since, I think, 1837. Okay, okay. So, yeah, got they've you. been in different locations around. But anyway, everybody knows this is the, is the Falcon Building. Now, before that, I found records going back to 1893 when the Lipsky family owned it. Mm-hmm. From the Lipskys, the Coens 
you you remember the the attorney Cohen, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Cohen from Memphis? That was his family. Steve Cohen. It's a congressman. You know, now. maybe yeah. I don't know that. But anyway, so they had Cohen's department stores all along Highway 64 from Somerville over to Selmer, mm-hmm. and that's what it was until it became a Family Dollar in the 70s, uh, and then became the Fayette Falcon, and then. Um, the Falcon needed – the building was falling down, mm-hmm. and, no, and and nobody wanted to take care of it. The kids that inherited it, one was a, is a rabbi in New York, and others are in Texas, and so they wanted to sell it, and we jumped on it. <laughs> yeah, and it's been a big – I know it's been – we've, of course, talked with you through this whole process, and I know it's been very stressful, yeah, to one, say the least. One of the reasons I wanted to plug the, the courthouse records being destroyed by a fire is because I've, I shared with you one of my favorite stories about this particular building. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1925, uh, our building had a second floor, mm-hmm. and, in, of course, it's been long gone. And as we started renovating it, we found evidence of fire damage and thought it was strange. And so one day, the county historian, Joy Rosser, and uh, her son, Ray Rosser, came by, and they were interested in what we were doing. And they told us that uh, in 1925, the second floor caught on fire. And the pigeons that were roosting in the second floor caught on fire and flew across the street to the courthouse, caught the courthouse on fire, and it burned down. And so that's why we lost a lot of the archives, records Uh from the courthouse. Because of this building. Yeah, this building. So um, we have joked with you before about at least having an appetizer or a drink or Mm -hmm. something called the Flaming Flaming Pigeon. Pigeon. Because we had thought about naming the restaurant the Flaming Pigeon. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I love that story. Um, but we, we found a lot of evidence of the fire damage when we when we got it. But I'll keep going now. You don't have to prompt me. I'll keep talking about this building. No, those are the best you. guests. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when we got the building, uh, the, the negotiations were difficult. I'll, I'm not insulting anybody, but the closing took nearly two months because one of the brothers that was a rabbi in, in uh, New York uh, doesn't do email, uh, doesn't have a fax machine, nothing. And he wouldn't answer the door when the FedEx people came to get the documents done. So it took us forever. But that's kind of charming in a way that there's mm. some person in this day and age that doesn't do text, or internet, email, yeah. anything. So anyway, we got it done. And, we, then, and then tell me about the safe. Okay, I'm going to get yeah. to the safe. Oh, okay. If that's okay. But um, – we knew going in that we had asbestos because for some reason it was noted on the uh, uh, abstract at the assessor's office that mm-hmm. asbestos flooring. So we had to uh, don't uh, can I plug somebody else? Yeah, man. So so, so, look, so we don't, <laughs> let, let me tell you this before because look, Terry, I know that I don't know about Bo. I know David Stowers was nervous about you being a, a a guest because he said you're like me. There ain't a whole lot of filter there. Yeah, but I mean, uh, short of you know, we try to not cuss and stuff a lot but we'll say whatever so like i i I talk about things that most people shy from so please you can talk about whatever you like i I will plug whoever i've got some stories so with this asbestos we knew we wanted to do it right for Mm -hmm. one thing and and my wife is real big about doing things the right way i like to cut corners but anyway had it not been recorded in the courthouse i would have just taken it out myself and Mm -hmm. probably gotten asbestos poisoning but anyway so we use chandler construction this company out of memphis has been around since 1946 and they were wonderful to work with and I mean they had people in the like space suits you know and the self-contained stuff and did all the environmental stuff the right way so we got that out and that leads to the safe so once they got the asbestos out 
we were down to what was left of the floor and my son was walking around one day and saw this metal circle mm-hmm. and he starts playing with it and pops the lid off and there is a, a combination safe and now the asbestos people had taken like four layers of old floor out mm-hmm. and we found this circular safe buried down in the floor and it's encased in steel which is then encased in concrete so as you can imagine it took us a long time to get it unembedded i guess is yeah. a good way of saying it um but once we got the rest of the floor out on the side of it saw this initial f frankenberg well f frankenberg frank frankenberg is a customer of my wife's hardware store and so she said do you know anything about this he said yeah i was the manager of the 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 dollar store when it was there in the 70s and that was my safe he said don't worry i emptied it <laughs> we're not sure though <laughs> so you haven't opened it yet we, we thought that maybe it'd be a cool little yeah, thing yeah. to do with the restaurant thing. you know maybe some donations or let people put a quarter in a jar and try to do the combination what yeah. it's up to you but we, yeah, we've yeah. saved it now my son wanted to get into it yeah and of course you know his imagination ran wild when we first found the safe and the floor and Dr. Weatherly, the veterinarian, who's a neighbor a couple doors down, he came down and took photos of it. And uh, a lot of people have come by to see the building because they figured there was some history inside there. And uh, sure enough, uh, several people were interested in the cisterns, which we also thought would be a good name for a restaurant. Mm -hmm. The cellar and the cistern or the bar could be the cistern because once the floor came out and we were told there was a cistern back there. Yeah. And so, sure enough, when the floor came out, you could see this beautiful brickwork that kind of came up like this with an opening in the top. And it's about a 10,000-gallon cistern, Mm -hmm. old-timey. And, uh, of course, our engineers said that we had to fill that with liquid concrete, which was another added surprise. But once we got the rest of the floor out, about uh, 50 feet away, we found a channel going to a larger cistern i mean it was twice as big so can you imagine i mean you had a ten thousand gallon cistern and then a some kind of connection to another one that it may have been 20 or thirty thousand gallons i don't know but huh. huge i wonder and, why uh there's speculation that there might have been a stable there early in the early yeah. 1800s it may have been the town water supply i mean it, you never know. back then you never know but if I had stupid money, like win the lottery kind of money, I would have just filled it with with like uh, clear acrylic, so yeah. people could walk over it and see, see it. it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't have stupid money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh? Well, so you've been uh, you're you live in Somerville, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You so you're over there, and obviously we have uh, uh, the law firm, and then now this other business moving over there. So we're very vested in the community too. Yes. Um, and we're excited about coming over there, but. From what you've heard, it sounds like people like the menu or looking forward to what we've got going. Well, that's one of the reasons my wife and I wanted the seller is we we like the menu. Mm-hmm. We like how simple it is. Uh, we like the price points. Mm-hmm. We just like everything about it. And uh, Somerville is desperate for for something other than a me- not to not to knock down yeah, Mexican not restaurants. Them, but I mean, you want to have the, that, that's multi- all you got more than one option, obviously. Yeah, and. Uh, um, People are desperate, and and having something on the square right there on the corner of Highway 64 and the courthouse, it's a great location. Um, 
Well, we've talked, and if anybody's watching this is from that area, uh, as the owners, we plan to have a very similar menu, uh, if not the same menu. The steaks are going to be from the same supplier. We've already talked to that supplier. And we even asked because we're already looking at another location now, for one, and we were nervous that maybe the meat supply would dry up, and the supplier told us we would be the sole supplier or the sole customer if wow. needed. So that's nice to know. That is. But uh, we're planning on also having the same kind of events there. So we plan to do a trivia night. We plan to have live music. We plan to have a lot of the ladies night. Ladies night. We're getting a lot of down. feedback about that. Yeah, yeah. We're planning <laughs> to have all that stuff, the same great selection of bourbons and drinks as well as the food. And then um, uh, we, we may even offer lunch to see how it works there. Because I think every time I go to court over there, I always, you know, there's, you've got I forget the name of the little place um, around the corner. I think y'all own the building. Main Street Eatery. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah. Main Street Eatery. But, again, it's the only it's, place. If on it's the, the only thing you'd like more than a place or two to, to eat. So In fact, it's the only place within four blocks of the square. Yeah, and then really even Oakland, unless you want to yeah. do fast food or – uh, I think there's a Milano's, the 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 the, his, the Mexican place, and a, I think that's almost it. So there. if you count Olympic Olympic Steakhouse in Oakland as mm-hmm. a steakhouse, you have to go to Memphis, and then the, there's Simon's Fish House in Bolivar. So there's nothing. It's a captive audience. And mm-hmm. just just this past weekend, my wife and I were removing the awning on the front of the building. We love to do this kind of work ourselves. Mm-hmm. In fact, when we were dating, that's how our relationship started is mm-hmm. before we got married, we bought an old building to renovate. Yeah. So this is You definitely passion. married up too, Terry. <laughs> yeah. Not not knocking you, but I uh, <laughs> Oh, I know it. Uh so so um Saturday and Sunday, both days while we were working on the outside of the building, people would just pull up. And apparently there was an antique car show going on. So all these cool antique cars would just pull in and say Hey, is this where the restaurant's going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they said, man, we're so looking forward to the steakhouse and blah, blah, blah. And when's it going to open? So I've been telling everybody. And when we had our first meeting, I think we did a tentative date of August the 1st. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife wants me to shut up, say, quit saying that date. because, But I think we can do it. I, in fact, I think yeah. there's been some talk about moving it up to July 1st. Yeah, I think, uh, James, we've, just got, we've had meetings on it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, assuming we get all the other logistics worked out, it's not going to really take a whole lot of time on our end. You know, once you mm-hmm. get the appliances and everything in yeah. there, a lot of yeah. the other is just makeup. So, uh, it's possible that it could be sooner than that. I, I think August first is a uh, is a fair estimate, though. You know, yeah. it, it it's it's safe to say that it'd be somewhere around then. If we quietly can, if y'all, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we, I think it's like, hey, no, I like uh, it like yeah. that, Terry. Uh, if uh, if if you open earlier for the like the test runs and everything. By the way, I meant to kind of do another plug. Sure. So, um, Rolling Thunder Game Calls. Mm-hmm. Spence Halford just opened them up in very successful business. He started out of his garage. We love him. He came by Sunday and helped us a lot because we had taken two old gas heaters down from the ceiling, mm. and uh, we didn't know what we were going to do with them, just didn't know if we were going to sell them for scrap. Well, in his warehouse, he needs those. Mm. So he came by and loaded them up and took them away. So that saved us having to go to the dump or whatever. Yeah. But I was so thankful he did that. And I wanted to say one other thing about the building when, when it made me think about the heaters coming out of the ceiling. So when we get in this building, it's got a drop ceiling, you know, with the mm-hmm. ugly drop ceiling. And we had no idea what was above it, mm-hmm. especially after we heard the story about the second floor catching on fire. We take that drop ceiling out, and we find the most beautiful pressed tin ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then the cornices, the, the curved cornices all around. This is a 5,000-square-foot building 
with all this gorgeous mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of damage not much but we were lucky to find a company in california that will replicate your tin ceiling hmm. so we're, we're, we've got all that you know it looks 20 style the the ceiling looks like it's from the 20s or 30s well along your line of the prohibition bar thing we were told that one of those cisterns that we found in the floor was where the moonshiners used to hide their wares they would just tie a rope to their bottles and sink it down in the system because it would keep it cool and out of sight. Mm. <laughs> so it fits. So it fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, we're excited to be part of the community there, and we've definitely had great support. Um, the, even, I mean, so far, the town of Somerville itself has seemed very interested in whatever mm. we needed to make it happen to where we could come over there. And I think that's a good sign uh, of, for other businesses, that yeah. you have a community that is open to positive what i call positive growth like that Mm -hmm. i've had some similar discussions with people over here in tipton county where some of the regulations make it more difficult to open business and i think it Mm -hmm. discourages positive growth so i mean i think that's that's been nice well i i've had my issues with the government in fayette county and in the town of somerville and i have often envied what i thought y'all were able to accomplish in covington Mm -hmm. you've got a great chamber that's really active over here Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm the president Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the president. Speaking of that, tomorrow night there's the Chamber Gala that I'm uh, supposed to be emceeing for, and that is at, I forget where we're having it, but I'll be there. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, I'm a member of the Fayette Chamber also and told her that I wanted to be more active in it. Mm-hmm. And I think she thought I was joking about multiple businesses coming because I, I, my idea is if I go into a market – you want to diversify your interests anyway, but mm-hmm. uh, if it's a good market, man, it's good. If it's good for one business, it's probably good for others. Well, you know, one of the things that, that's when there's a good vibe going, other people feed off of it. And once we started talking about the restaurant over there, now there's another gentleman that we know that mm-hmm. is planning. It says he's going to open an ice cream shop, mm-hmm. sandwiches. Yeah, just a couple doors down would be great. There's other talk of an Italian restaurant coming in on the square, mm-hmm. and that would be great because. Um, you know, my wife and, have, and I have had a lot of discussions about the death of retail, having mm-hmm. a retail store, you know, with online sales. In, some, in Somerville alone, their sales tax, 29% of their sales tax revenue is from online sales. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unless you've got something unique or special, kind of like my wife's old hardware store, mm-hmm. which still looks like it's from the 1800s, to get people to come in there, people aren't really opening retail establishments right now, except for people want to be entertained Mm -hmm. and going out to eat is entertainment. Yeah. And I think that if you could have three or four restaurants on the square, it could be like a gastronomic destination, you know? And well, you you see how Covington has done it. I think Covington has done a good job on the square issues because they, it's these boutique shops and they have, it's new stuff in there. But there are also attractions like, you know, we've got the seller's got music. My boy's guitar place has got music. I'm trying to do a book and record store next that's going to have music, live music. We have the music on the square. It's very, we're trying to make it like a music arts destination district where you've got food, good shopping, um, lots of just a, a nice, safe environment for people. And I think other, there are some other towns little towns that have squares like this that can mm-hmm. be, i think collierville did a good job with yes. theirs i think but, there's but a covington well. covington square is awesome in fact this afternoon my Bo burke and i just wanted to talk a little bit and so we just walked mm-hmm. around the square in fact i got this tie at uh 
Bayou Bells, is that what it's called? I saw you in court earlier. Were you wearing that? Yeah. Because yeah. I thought you were there kid, all day. It looks like the kicking lawyer. Yeah, no, he's trying to take my look over here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I respect it. Yeah. But with Blue Oval coming, too, um, there's oh, so, such a buzz. I don't know if you know this. James and I talked about this, right? <coughs> so the bar, he met with the bar guy because the bar is going to be custom built. And this guy said this was going to be like his, uh, you know, Da Vinci. Magnum Opus. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. This huge deal, right? On well, the bar in our building bar, over in Somerville? Yes, yes. <clears throat> and so what James was talking about doing is we're going to have some lighting above it because it's going to be like a drop down where you hang everything right, storage thing above it. Uh, anyway, he was talking about putting lighting that's an oval. So it's uh, blue. Oh, it's yes. a blue oval. Yes. Not blue oyster. <laughs> but some of these people are not old enough to know that reference, but it's a blue oval bar. So. Um, and I think the bar idea that you have, it's, I've been told it's going to be like the bar in Cheers. Yeah. it's it, Well, he's wanting to have, it's going to be looking similar to that. Yeah. He's talking about it, it being an oval-ish. And then uh, I did notice in the concrete pennies, that I thought it was going to be square, four square, but yeah, it's going to yeah. be rounded. And pennies uh, in the top is what he wants to do. Hmm. Uh, originally, he wanted to do 1920s pennies, but I told him that I think a lot of times those pennies have a precious metal in them still. I may be wrong. Yeah. And that, that would probably be expensive. <laughs> instead of, but we'll see. We're, we're going to figure that out. So, yeah, now we're excited. We're going to have a lot of stuff. We're going to have, and, it, and also now that we've learned, because you know, another benefit of your building is the place we're in now, we just had to come in and kind of retrofit. It, yeah. it wasn't built out really to be a restaurant. We did, I think we've done well with it, but it, it's not really, even the bar area is not really the size it should be for a restaurant. Yeah. So uh, we have helped along with you guys in partnership and have helped come up with a design that we think is going to be a little more functional for this kind of space. That's what is so cool about, I think you and I just, hey, what would you think about this? Mm-hmm. We, we, we've been friends and we, we'll talk about anything to one another. Yeah. And I think I just said, Hey, I got this building. Would you be interested? Yes. And you immediately picked up on it. Um, and, and what, what was cool is James Harden, your mm-hmm. general manager came over. And so he had a blank canvas and we could just build out mm-hmm. what was needed because whether it was going to be the seller and your team or somebody else, my wife and I knew that we Whatever it took, we wanted to try to get a restaurant in that mm-hmm. spot for us. Well, I, I think we wanted. I tell you one thing uh, that's a benefit for me and Brian is James, as a partner, does know the numbers. He's mm-hmm. done very well, even because the restaurant business is like any other business. Like we've learned it now that we've been in business over a year. Like in the law business, in the law business, you know, de- December, January, you can almost shut down when you do criminal defense or family law because yeah. it's just dead. It's the bad months, right? Well, in the restaurants business, it's the summer months. For us, our kind of business is the summer months. Um, so we're doing some things to try to adjust that. But my point was James is good at pivoting and on the management side and keeping the costs down, making sure the food orders are right. And uh, I think that he's been instrumental in that. So my point is the team that comes, we all play to our benefits. I can brand, run my mouth, and market. A lot like you. You know you can market just about anything. And I feel like I can do that in Somerville. Uh, and we'll have great events and things over there. And uh, James can manage it. And then Brian will come drink the beer over there. So that'd be good. What was fun is for us, not having any exposure to the restaurant business, uh, coming in and talking about this is what we'd like to do in the kitchen. So mm-hmm. we're actually being able to custom fit mm-hmm. the way the gas lines are, um, the way the kitchen's going to look, the way the bar's going to look. And then the bathrooms – um, you know, my wife and her sister were building the walls out and the plumber came in and was looking at the plans that James had just drawn out and built it. And 
at the end of it, he said, you know what? This look, I think I've done a restroom like this before. Turns out he did the restrooms in our church, Christ oh, really? Presbyterian, <laughs> and they're just like them. So, so, we, so they should the, be familiar to the church-growing crowd. We have the holy <laughs> bathrooms then. <laughs> well, I'm excited about it, too, and we're, we're glad to be coming to Somerville, and uh, hopefully we can meet a lot of great new people over yes. there. Yes. So on a, on a different topic that I, I when we started, I sort of hinted mm-hmm. at, and you can comment or not. So I get a whole lot of messages from people on TikTok, right, mm-hmm. on various things. And so I'll make just random videos. It's usually Josh is like, talk about this, and then I just talk, right? There's really no planning on it, usually. Well, a question I've gotten numerous times, and I literally did a video and responded to yesterday, was regarding public defenders. And so there's there seems to be uh, now this is not amongst everyone this is just in the at least the TikTok comments a lot of times there's a negative connotation with public being a public defender mm-hmm. with public and I think a lot of people don't even realize public defenders are the same as I am it's just you work for the state but it's not so much that you're not good lawyers the issue was and this is the question that came up was if the public defenders were in in it with the DA or in cahoots oh, yeah. with the DA, right? We get that. Because you both are state-funded, really. So can you speak to that? Yes. I mean, in fact, it just is? came up. Okay. I was uh, representing a very a 21-year-old man, boy, really, uh, charged of first-degree murder. And all along, you know, we, we worked well together. We went through all the evidence. We're ready for trial. But it comes from a poor family. They couldn't afford an attorney. And so the day before trial, they hire a private attorney. Mm-hmm. And the judge is mad he wasn't going to continue the case, but he, some, some things happened and, and it worked out. But this young man stood up and told the judge, the, it's not that I don't like Mr. Dykus, I do. It's just that he is paid by the government, just like the DA. And I want somebody I can trust that's not paid by the government. Mm-hmm. Now, what they don't realize is that if when I was in private practice, just like you, the public defender would have a conflict. Private attorney gets appointed, and and they're paid by Mm -hmm. the government through the Supreme Court, the AOC, Mm -hmm. Administrative Office of the Courts. But when this young man got up and said that, you know, it made me feel better. But he said, I want somebody that I feel I can confide in, and I don't think I can confide in somebody that works for the government. I mean, I'm a public defender. I was appointed to represent him, and that's just the way he has always felt. And I don't – you can't hold that against him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it – might be misguided. We are not in cahoots with the, the district attorney's office. We have to work with them because of the volume. But we like to stand up and gig the district attorney when we can. Uh, but a lot of people have that, I want a real lawyer. Mm. Uh, there are some people that think that public defenders are just kind of like administrative assistants to the court, mm. not real lawyers, mm. are the public offenders. They, <laughs> you know, we get called a lot. Um, but... Um, I can understand the public's view, and when we are overwhelmed, the other day, you know, you guys come with a lot of case, you know, heavy caseload. But if you've got like eighteen cases to handle, you're 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 busting it, running it, you know, and trying to get ready for the judge to come out. And the people realize how busy you are, mm-hmm. and sometimes they want a little bit more time to spend with the attorney. And I don't blame them. Yeah, you know, I don't blame them at all. Um, yeah, and well, you kind of get fr- because you, as a public defender, also you have to kind of prioritize what's serious. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand. Well, so my responses have been very similar to what you just said. I always start by saying I have I, I, I met a lot, of probably hundreds at this point, of public defenders over the years in various counties. Mm-hmm. And they're always, in my opinion, very good attorneys. Matter of fact, they're usually more experienced than a lot of private practice lawyers because of the volume, <laughs> right? 
Um, but the, the I do say the only, and it's not from personal experience because I haven't been a public defender, but I could see at least the perception. And I know a few years ago in a lot of the offices they were understaffed, and so you are yes. oh you you do have too many cases. Not your fault or any, or not saying you can't give them good service, but it is a lot of cases to yeah. service. And so I can see the in private practice they assume, but I don't like. This is the part I disagree with because I get it too as a. Um, you know, like I'll give you an example. If I'm at my restaurant and a district attorney is there too, and that day we'd have been court together, and now we're sitting at the bar together, yeah. everybody's like, "Oh, they're in cahoots." When it's it's I I equated a lot of this, and this is not to undersell the importance of justice and, and our duty to the client and the cases are so important, right? But but this is a good example. If you and I played football against each other, you go to whatever right. school I go, and we play, and we're just ramming into each other all day. In the football game, I'm trying to destroy you, right? I'm trying mm-hmm. to win. When we're done, we go yeah, hang we're out. Wrong. We're cool. It's very mm-hmm. similar in uh, in court. Well, my brother, I, good example. My brother is a medical doctor, and he was getting sued, and I was helping with the case. And we were in mediation, and this attorney on the other side and I were just screaming at one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, yelling and everything. And after everything's over, everybody calms down. We're standing in the hallway. I'm standing there with my brother. And the attorney on the other side says, hey, you want to go get lunch? I said, sure, I'll meet you over so and so And my brother looks at me and says, how in the world can you do that? And I'm like, you know, we're, we're professionals. I, I'm, you know, sorry, <laughs> you want to go with us? And he, of course, wouldn't. But uh, now I have seen some public defenders, the, the, the typical um, slur that, you know, lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some that are so overwhelmed or have other issues that crop up that they're not handling business like they would. But. I started with the Public Defenders Conference when it first became into existence in 1990. Mm-hmm. I did that for 10 years before I became a district attorney. And uh, the conference has come a long way professionally. Uh, you look at our office, we have probably more experience in our office than any law firm in West Tennessee. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. Because I've got 30 years. Frank Delorier's got over 30 years. Melissa Downing, it doesn't matter how many years, she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got 15 years. Um, Dave Stockton's got 40 years as an attorney. So we've, we've been there. We've done that. Mm-hmm. We've seen it all. Now, the downside of that is we'll cut you off at your knees. We know what we're doing, and we probably mm-hmm. don't spend enough time talking to clients where, you know, you pay somebody a lot of money in private practice. They're going to – I remember when I was in private practice, mm-hmm. I would talk to them, you know, mm-hmm. forever about Ad- everything, get to know them, the friends. But, yeah. but when you got that volume, you just kind of rush through, and I guess that that can be off-putting to people. What about the uh, experience you had from? And I'm I'm, very, I'm curious because I was a cop for a long huh. time and now a defense <laughs> lawyer, right? Yeah. So it's a very interesting perspective shift. So how about yes. you going from defense lawyer, DA, defense lawyer? I think what shocked me most as a district attorney, and maybe it was just because of the time and what was happening in Fayette County, I was shocked at how many police officers I prosecuted. Really? Well, the police chief in Galloway, the police chief and assistant chief in Oakland, the mayor in Oakland. One, two, three. I can think off the top of my head at least four other police officers that we prosecuted. Mm. And that, that surprised me because, you know, um, well, it just really surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, I guess let me ask you this first question, and then I got a second one. The first question would be, which did you prefer, prosecution or defense? Ooh, I don't want to hurt too many people's feelings here. Uh, being, a, being a prosecutor is very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, people suck up to you all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they think you're important. Um, 
it's a little bit easier being a prosecutor because everybody else is preparing the case and they have an interest in it. Uh, you know, you got a detective, he's he's going to make the file for you. He's going to line up the witnesses. All you got to do is show up in court and say, tell me what happened. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah? Well, what happened next? How hard is that? Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, it also, I did it for 10 years, it you know. Does, so I went to, in, <laughs> in law school, so I struggled in law school with criminal defense because I had such a bias towards the state because I'd been a cop, oh. right? So I was thinking like a cop, everything was a cop. <laughs> So in law school, I applied, and we had to write an essay, and I got selected. It was only two of us got selected to go to the DA's conference. Oh. So we went to their new new counsel training con It was their trials college is what it was. Yeah. So I got to go to the DA's trial college. Well, what was interesting— Are you talking about the one in South, at the University of South Carolina? No, this one was uh, at Memphis. Oh, they okay. had it, I, I think it was a random year, and so because yeah. it was hosted by the school, they let the school send two students. Mm -hmm. So because I was a student, I got selected. Uh, I, I wrote an I wrote a—I remember my essay, matter of fact. I wrote about the reason—part of the reason I should get it is I was born in the back of a patrol car— and that, that I didn't know if I was going to be should have been in the back of the patrol car or in the front of the patrol car. Anyway, so anyway, so I did the conference right, and I, that summer I had started clerking with Brian, and Brian was exclusively doing criminal defense at the time. So I had gotten weird taste for criminal defense from Brian, which is way different than these DAs were, oh, right? Uh -huh. And then even the way they were taught to do like an opening or and like I struggle with direct. Like the making them say the questions mm -hmm. is hard to me. I'm really, really? good at cross. I yeah. like crossing them, yeah. you know, because then that's open and creative. Yeah. So it was just a whole different experience. And I think part of it was a lot of the DAs, you tell me if you think this was your experience. A lot of the DAs are taught that you're going to present the facts. There's no, you know, smoke and mirrors. It is what it is. This mm -hmm. is the facts. There's. It, it's kind of like you're very dry. And then the defense lawyer is like, look, there's a Wookiee over here. Look at this Wookiee. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the trial colleges try to teach you how to tell a story, uh -huh. you know, and you start weaving that in from Vordire into your opening and your closing. And I think too often when I was a prosecutor and prosecutors don't spend enough time on the story, mm -hmm. the storytelling aspect of a case, because every case has a story. But, you know, it's interesting what you said, because – I'd had the same paradigm shift. I was an investigator for the Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. I'd been an investigator all through law school. So when I come out, I, I didn't even want to be a lawyer. I mean, I wanted to be like, uh, you know, State Department, mm -hmm. uh, Foreign Service agent. Uh, back, back when I was in school, to be an FBI agent, you either had to have a law degree or be a CPA. Mm -hmm. So I was going to law school not to be a lawyer, just to get that bump in pay. Uh, I really enjoyed being an investigator for the Department of Justice, mm -hmm. some of the stuff we did there. So when I went to the public defender's office, you know, fortunately I got with a bunch of guys that were really smart and really good, and it blew me away. But the first thing they did, they sat me down and said, read the rules of criminal procedure. And I'm like, bah, bah, bah. they said, no, start again, read it. And they had me, have, had me doing my first jury trial within six months, mm -hmm. which blew me away. Hmm. But yeah, you, did you know Brian had done both in the Air Force? He said they would make them rotate back jag. and forth and jag. So, oh, they'd make them do both sides. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, he said every few months they rotated them, and well, I, that's <laughs> I, I can see that being good because then you don't. Because I've met judges included that were on just the one side and were very biased. Like they just didn't have the mercy mm -hmm. I thought they needed for normal people that maybe made a, a hiccup here or there. Um, and then, like, I was one of them. When I was a cop, I didn't think of the ripple effects 
from a domestic arrest or a DUI mm-hmm. arrest and how that might make them not have a job anymore and affects their kids. And there's just this ripple effect. Mm-hmm. When when I wasn't sure that it actually, you know, I, yeah. I had probable cause, but it, I didn't know if it was going to be proof beyond a reasonable doubt. I was just trying to get it done and go. And so hindsight now, I look at things a lot differently because to me, it's not justice just because you lock a bunch of people up. Right. You know, it's you need to analyze the case. And is this the case to do that? You know, when and, I was a district attorney, I used to we used to do seminars and mm-hmm. we would do in-service training for the police officers and on the domestics. I used to say, you know, there, it's not a zero sum game. I used to have officers saying somebody's getting locked up if I get called out on a domestic. Mm-hmm. Well, really, that's not justice. That's not your job. Mm-hmm. And I used to encourage them, if you can find a safe place where this batterer is not going to come back and terrorize this woman or kids or whatnot, you can do that. No, no, not on my watch. They're going to jail. I'm like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they if there's clear evidence of something, it is what it is. Yeah. But you and I both know, especially <laughs> being defense lawyers, people lie. And then that lie ends up destroying the other side, yes. and it takes forever. You know, because even if – here's a this is a whole other soapbox I have. People will get charged with something, and it's bogus. Like, it's just bull. But this, the cop or whatever agency mm-hmm. can charge them, and it has to go through the system. So then you got somebody that's – it's based on bull. They get locked up. Now mobile p- patrol. They have mm-hmm. to spend money on us. The whole – their p- family's pissed at them. Everybody's judging them already. They hire us. We go in and prove that it's bull. It gets dismissed. Well, you don't hear nothing about that. Now they got the stigma on them for getting stuck with this bull. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just so frustrating to me. And the other thing that's bad about you mentioned mobile patrol. A lot of the social media apps, you can get an expungement, mm-hmm. which on a diversion you get your charges expunged. Still You're off up. the NCI, and but it still pops up on mobile patrol and yeah. all those other private apps. And yeah. that drives that used to drive some of my clients crazy. Oh no, we, yeah, we've had clients that literally hired us and were angry because we didn't yeah. have power over them. And there's really nothing you can do, right. you know, because it was public record. It's not like it didn't happen, you know. It's just that uh, they're a private company and you can't make them do stuff. I tell you what I like about uh, what happens in. Covington and Tipton County is they do a lot of citations Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that started with COVID or maybe with the disaster but I I see a lot of citations to court which I think is great Mm -hmm. Um, because I think some people are held on bonds that are too high and bond becomes a a means of enforcing a harsh sentence or a judgment Mm -hmm. Um, and you know there's there's this talk about bail reform bail reform and bond reform bond a lot of times is uh, if you're poor uh, I mean, that's that's rough. Yeah. Again, it could be a really crappy case, but if you can't make bonds, you're sitting there. Yeah. And then you could lose your job, and then it affects your family. And, you know, it's a – we had a recent issue that I'm dealing with on a, a person very close to me. And what was frustrating about it was – I discussed this with my wife – is if it wasn't – if this specific person didn't know – not, not even connections, but know people that do X, Y, and Z, they had set a bond on this kid. And if the, if if the person didn't know who was to contact to try to get it changed to a site, that person on some bull would mm-hmm. have been arrested. And if so, if you were uneducated or didn't mm-hmm. have the money, that's what's going to happen to you, you know. Yeah. And then you're in the system. It's just I can't stand that. That you know, I I like the idea that justice is blind, you know, but. If you ain't got dollars, it's a <laughs> right. lot blinder when you got money, right. I think. And that's, as a public defender, the people get really frustrated that they're in jail on bonds. Mm-hmm. And typically, I have to say, the difference between private practice and being a public defender are the records. I mean, I had a guy today that was, I didn't get indicted last time. You know, I don't have to wait. That's not due process. 
So I go look at him, and with what he's charged with, with his prior record, he's looking at 12 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. There's not much I can do. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, that you know, it's a little different. Every case is different. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we get some of those, but often it is by appointment that you're talking right. about. But the private hire ones we get, a lot of times are the one-offs where these people were either wrong place, wrong time, or did mm-hmm. make a mistake, you know, and then is this mistake going to ruin the rest of their life? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I've studied other uh, countries' justice systems, especially the Scandinavian countries. And one thing mm-hmm. that they do that's very different than us, one, they have a very low recidivism rate. Like once they've gone through, they people don't come back. And they part of what I think it is, is if you analyze their system, like their prisons aren't like prisons. They're rehab rehabilitation facilities they give them some skill and then the most important thing and this is the part where i know america is never going to change once they have paid their debt they've done their sentence whatever it is and they get out they're exactly like you or i they're not a second class citizen they don't lose the right to vote vote. Mm. they they have all the same rights they can go Mm. work it's not and then the the society doesn't treat them different either this is it's not like a stigma of oh he's a convicted felon oh they're still a human you know redemption is a hard thing in in america oh yeah Yeah. well (laughs) plus we incarcerate so many people yeah Yeah, it's a hard thing but (laughs) anyway well look man we're working on an hour so i'm gonna start tying us up is there anything else you'd like to tell us about Oh, I could stir some things up, I'm sure. <laughs> no, well, we'll, we'll talk. Well, wait, we can have you come back on again, Terry, and uh, talk about it. You can't wear the kicking lawyer suit, though. We can't okay. have two of them, you know. <laughs> Just messing with you. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Terry Dykus, for joining us today. Uh, Josh, you got anybody next week yet? Are we still working on it? Not yet. Okay, no, don't forget. <laughs> either way, we're going to uh, – we're also talking about starting back a sort of kicking lawyer show where you guys just get to ask me questions, and I'll talk about some hot-button issue. So it doesn't necessarily have to be interviews, kind of like we used to do in the beginning. We're on TikTok, all that stuff. Follow us. Always, of course, download NA the band. It's uh, on uh, all, all uh, music platforms. That's Austin and Noah. They'd appreciate it. Michelle Allen is our longtime sponsor. She's your go-to in the area if you're buying, selling, rent, and leasing real estate. She'd be glad to help you out. She'll help you out with anything else, really, too, in the area if you need some assistance. High Octane Martial Arts in Covington. Been there since 93. Just visit masonsmartialarts.com. Uh, we have sign-up specials right now. We'd be glad to have you uh, start your own martial arts journey. The Cellar, we've talked about that multiple times here. The restaurant Prohibition Bar opens at 4 p.m. every day. I will be there today doing trivia. Uh, please come join us. We've got, uh, we're got we renovating our patio right now. We're going to have live music. And we have something this Saturday called a Grill and Chill where you guys can come get a burger, chips, and a beer for 15 bucks. And then, of course, Josh will help you at Masonite Digital Marketing with your own uh, marketing with your online presence. If you're uh, trying to improve your brand, website, social media, he'd be glad to help you at MasoniteMarketing.com. So thank you guys for taking the time to watch us today. Uh, hopefully we'll see you next Tuesday, and you have a good rest of your week. Keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.